The tobacco industry has long been a controversial topic when it comes to its place in investment portfolios. But the question is, do tobacco stocks really have the power to burn an investor? Today, we're talking to Jared McFerrin, one of our public markets investment analysts here at Guidestone, about the tobacco industry, trends today in the markets, and what that could mean for both investors and the greater investment industry as a whole. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Faith-Based Investing with Guidestone Funds. I'm your host, Will Laughlin. While Guidestone has long screened out tobacco stocks from our portfolios, in an effort to align with our faith-based philosophy, we're seeing a larger trend emerge in the industry today, and in large part due to investor preference, but also because some tobacco industry headwinds seem to be indicating a downward trajectory. Joining me today to discuss this topic and what it means for your clients is my colleague, Jared McFerrin. Jared, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Will. Uh, I'm excited to talk about tobacco, which is a topic that's been uh, pretty hot in investing circles just due to the overall underperformance of the tobacco stocks over the past two to three years. We're seeing uh, companies in this industry, both domestically and abroad, that are starting to face some serious structural obstacles. So, Jared, tobacco is an industry that I think is pretty unique. Historically, it's been a very powerful industry. You think about it from a political or a lobbying perspective. Uh, it's had a lot of impact in the United States, but that view seems to be changing today. What do you think has changed in the market that people view tobacco differently than they have in the past? Sure. I think that some of the main factors that are driving the stocks today is probably the perception that regulatory headwinds um, are impacting further growth and also those end growth markets are potentially drying up. So EM was generally perceived as the final frontier for revenue growth uh, for these tobacco companies. So Jared, emerging markets are typically viewed as a really good growth opportunity for a lot of companies. They, they're major population markets that, that have been untouched by a lot of companies today. How is that outlook maybe different for tobacco companies? Right. So one of the most attractive things about EM historically, uh, especially for tobacco companies, is the fact that they had younger populations. They had uh, kind of this cultural tendency to smoke more so than maybe other cultures did. Um, and part of that is driven just by the lower awareness of the health risks of tobacco. So what we see out of the emerging markets, as they begin to develop, different trends start to uh, emerge. How are we seeing that play out with tobacco as you're seeing demographic shifts in emerging markets? What we see out of any country is that as they become more wealthy, uh, perhaps citizens become uh, more educated, then they start to understand these health risks and the government takes a more active role in seeking to protect these citizens against some of these businesses like tobacco, where uh, the health risks are, of course, extremely high. They actively look under the hood of things that might be bad for their citizens. We're starting to see these emerging markets, which have historically been sources of growth for tobacco companies, actually begin to step in and enact regulation for the first time where there hasn't been any. Jared, I think that's 100% correct because you're starting to see these emerging markets make some shifts. And you can contrast that against uh, countries like Europe and some of the more developed nations that, that have more aggressive policies. Uh, what do we see out of something like Europe uh, that is much further along on the, the regulatory front? Yes. So Europe does have some pretty aggressive regulations in place. And apart from the regulatory side in the U.S., for example, there's this kind of health conscious movement that is also driving down uh, tobacco usage. 
So now these emerging markets, which were kind of expected to be one of the last uh, outlets for growth and expansion for tobacco companies, are starting to catch on to this. If they they've become more wealthy and they've started to care about their citizens a little bit more. Uh, even major emerging economies like China and India still have extremely high smoking rates, but even they're kind of starting to step up with these regulations. You know, I think that's incredibly telling uh, about why maybe we're seeing some some of that shift today. It is. And in our view, all of these factors tell us that the well is starting to run dry. Amid the low interest rate environment that we find ourselves in, the way that the market values businesses depends much more on these long-term growth expectations than in past periods. So when the longer-term growth narratives for a business become threatened, the stock price is severely punished. And that's part of what has happened with tobacco stock performance recently. So let's maybe look at it from the domestic side. I think you're starting to see a, a very significant uh, investor shift in how people think about tobacco in the United States. How are you seeing that and how it impacts their investing tendencies? Well, aside from business model concerns and international regulation challenges, we're seeing that investors are increasingly becoming more educated and, as we talked about earlier, way more health conscious. Especially across the U.S., there's a push to invest in companies that you can stand behind, you know, ones that share similar values. So if more people are taking their health seriously and cutting out things like smoking, then the domino effect turns to their investing habits. If they eliminate smoking from their lifestyle or never smoke to begin with, then chances are they won't have an interest in investing in these companies via their portfolio either. I think that makes a lot of sense, especially from a very general perspective. Uh, one of the things that, that makes Guidestone uniquely different is the very faith-driven approach that we have to what we do here. Can you speak uh, specifically to the faith-based perspective we have on this issue? Absolutely. So what might be interesting to our listeners is that screening out tobacco is not just aligned with a faith-based philosophy. The worldview, regardless of whether you're faith-based, ESG, SRI, whatever you call it, is that if people are investing on a values-oriented basis, they do not want to own tobacco stocks. From a larger demographic standpoint, investors across the board understand that it's an inherently predatory business model. Jared, a lot of financial professionals uh, work with clients that want to eliminate companies like this from their portfolio. But the question a lot of financial professionals have is, will screening out tobacco negatively impact performance? Right. And that's the other side of this, is that tobacco stocks are getting relatively cheap. And so naturally, value investors are becoming more interested in them. And despite the growing trend of excluding tobacco companies based on investor convictions, there are still investors who like the industry because they return a large portion of their earnings to investors through dividends. At a time when interest rates are at or near historic lows, that cash flow might look attractive to some investors, which brings about the timeless question of whether the industry deserves to be cheap or whether it's actually undervalued. We're not sure if they'll continue to underperform, but advisors and their clients might ask, will we get burned by taking them out of a portfolio? Jared, you're right. The question of will we get burned is always top of mind for advisors. They want to know, is making this decision going to impact my client's abilities to meet their financial goals? How does that come into play with potentially removing tobacco from someone's portfolio? 
right? Clients have to be able to meet their end goals and advisors are also going to be thinking about whether or not they can uh, meet or exceed benchmarks. So relative performance also comes into play here. Uh, but fortunately, tobacco stocks are less than 1% of global equity market values. So uh, even if they are cheap, even if they are undervalued today and they rocket up from here, it's unlikely that that uh, rally would pull up the broader indices by such an amount that it would cause you to underperform. So Jared, I think that gives us really good insight on the broad impact of tobacco uh, to the broader markets. And when you're thinking about whether it's undervalued or undeserving, what about the next evolution of the tobacco industry, especially as it relates to e-cigarettes and vaping? How do you think that emergence will impact the broader tobacco industry? There have been a series of relatively large acquisitions by tobacco conglomerates that have bolted these product lines onto their existing businesses. It's interesting because these tobacco companies are clearly seeing an opportunity to reinvent themselves, but it's another example of bringing a product to market that they claimed was safer than what they had before, but it turns out to just be as harmful as before and is causing death again. So again, they have that predatory business model that will now have to be regulated. Overall, there is some writing on the wall as it relates to vaping and the future of the industry. Uh, Philip Morris and Altria Merger was recently called off amid increased regulations and health scrutiny over vaping. Altria owns a large portion of Juul, which probably has caught the most heat from the ordeal. While it seemed like vaping might be another growth frontier, it is seemingly closing up. It certainly seems that way. And thank you for sharing that with us, Jared. Uh, tobacco continues to be this industry that really is just another example of a leper trying to change its spots. Uh, and it really hit, hits home why Guidestone's faith-based perspective is really critical in trying to uh, eliminate exposure to companies and industries that are just predatory in nature. Those are all really great points, Will. And the tobacco industry is definitely a, a very easy area in which we can apply our, our faith-based screens, which are at the core of the Guidestone investment philosophy. Well, Jared, this has been extremely informative and helpful for today's audience in walking through uh, the type of topic that's coming up more and more often in investors' discussions with their advisors. That's going to wrap up our episode today of Faith-Based Investing with Guidestone Funds. If you have any questions about this topic or our podcast, feel free to email us at faithbasedinvesting at guidestonefunds.com. Investment considerations. Investing involves risk, including potential loss of principal. There can be no guarantee that any strategy, risk management or otherwise, will be successful. You should carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Guidestone funds before investing. A prospectus with this and other information about the funds may be obtained by calling 1-888-GS-FUNDS, 1-888-473-8637, or downloading one at guidestonefunds.com funds. It should be read carefully before investing. Guidestone Fund shares are distributed by Foresight Funds Distributors, LLC, not an advisor affiliate. Foresight is not a registered investment advisor and does not provide investment advice.